Let's open our Bibles to Psalm 119. And we went through the 32nd verse and we're into the third, the next section, I should say, of this psalm. More than the third, but it's uh, verse 33. And this section, if you'll notice, it's in verses of eight and then a division. And each new division is a different uh, letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So we're in verse 33 and this whole section, each section has a kind of a theme, has to do with practical holiness. And if you look at verse 33, we'll begin to teach this portion of Scripture. And I have prepared down to verse 72. I hope that we can get that far, but we'll see. So it says in verse 33, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. Now then, here's a, a desire to be holy. He says, I will keep it. I want to be better. And the desire to be holy continually... Keep it unto the end is only accomplished by continual teaching. In other words, continual holiness requires continual teaching. If you're going to live for God, you have to be taught the things of God. And you know there has to be a hunger and thirst after righteousness. Jesus said in Matthew 5 verse 6, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. And we need to have today a more hungering and thirsting after the Word of God. I love Brother Andy got some tapes there. Personally, I like the ones without all the noise, but uh, I just like the plain Word. And then you don't squeak quite as much. But anyway, they're good. It's the Word. And if that's your preference, that's fine. I just like the Word of God has something special about it. When it's declared just plain and simple and, and uh, the teaching of the Word of God should be a desire of everyone. And continual holiness. Notice, he says, Teach me, O Lord. How many people want to be taught? Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end. The Bible says, For when for the time you ought to be teachers... You have need that one teach you again, which be the first principles of the oracles of God. And Paul says in the book of Hebrews, I believe he starts with verse 12 of the fifth chapter. And he says, And are become such as have need of milk and not of strong meat, because he says, Strong meat belongeth to them that are of full age, even to those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern both good and evil. And then he says in chapter 6 verse 1, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on to perfection. So, some, some are just like having learned their ABCs and we need to get into the Word of God and go on to perfection. Learn greater things of the Word of God. And when it says, Teach me, O Lord, the way of thy statutes, and I shall keep it unto the end, here is a desire for being taught and a desire to live accordingly as you are taught. Now verse 2 says, I mean verse 34, I say verse 2 because it's the second verse of our lesson. Verse 34, it says, Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Now then, wholehearted work is required. Wholehearted work. I shall observe it with my whole, whole heart. But he says, give me understanding. Even if we're taught the Word of God, we need to understand the Word of God. Give me understanding and I shall keep thy law. You can be taught the Word of God without having full spiritual understanding of the Word of God. And the Bible says the eyes of our understanding, Paul says this in the book of Ephesians, listen. 
the eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of His calling. And so we need the eyes of our understanding. That's the eyes of our inmost being. It's not talking about these eyes that we see with a natural eye. The eyes of our heart and our inmost being and our spiritual understanding, our ability to understand spiritual things. Give me understanding. And the only way we can have that is God gives us that. It's a gift. And we need to be taught. We need to have the gift of understanding. And he says, then he says, yea, I shall observe it with my whole heart. Wholehearted work. Remember, Caleb was given a certain possession in the book of Joshua. Caleb possessed, he says, give me this mountain. And he, he was possessed a great inheritance because he wholly followed the Lord. Only Joshua and Caleb wholly followed the Lord. And we need to be wholly following God. We don't need to follow every Tom, Dick, and Harry that comes along. We don't need to follow every little old bandwagon that comes along and every little ecumenical thing that comes along. We need to follow the whole total Word of God. And then we will separate ourselves to the truth, to the Word of God. Then it says in verse 35, Make me to go. Notice, teach me, give me, and now make me. (laughs) Isn't that language? We need God's help to make us to go in the path of Thy commandments. Look at that. Divine aid must be realized at all times. In other words, you give me the strength to go. You show me to go in the paths by teaching me. You give me understanding so I can do it. And then verse 35, make me to go in the path of Thy commandments. To walk in the right way. We need divine aid at all times. For therein do I delight. This should be our delight. You know, Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. If God doesn't help us to go in the right path, we're just going in our own strength and we'll most likely go in the wrong path. Make me to go. And that's a, a, a prayer, a desire for God to give us the strength to go in the right way. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. If you can, if you think you can do anything spiritually in your own strength, you're mistaken. You cannot do it without God's strength. Paul says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. But Jesus said, without me you can do nothing. I remember one time I had surgery. Came back from El Paso after surgery. Got up in the pulpit and I was weak in body, weak in spirit. Uh, weak in every men- in mental capacity, weak in everything. And I prepared a message on, without me you can do nothing. And God blessed it because I fully depended upon Him for all of it. I mean, physically, mentally, and in every sense of the word. And we can do nothing without the Lord. Sometimes we get real boisterous and think, well, I can handle this. We can't handle very much of anything without God's help. Make me to go in the path of thy commandments, for therein do I delight. We should delight in it. It makes us happy. It's a blessing. It says in verse 36, incline. (laughs) Look, now, go back to verse 33. Teach me. Look at verse 34. Give me. Verse 35. Make me. And then verse 36. Incline my heart. In other words, turn me in that direction. Incline my heart. Unto thy testimonies. And not to covetousness. You see, we need to go in God's direction instead of the other direction. The cure for covetousness is for us to be inclined with our whole heart unto God's testimonies. 
His Word. All of these uh, statutes and law and commandments, you notice verse 1 had statutes, verse 2 had law, verse... uh, Well, I said verse 1 too. Verse 35 had statutes. Verse 36 had uh, law. Verse Verse 34 had law. Verse 35 had commandments. Verse 36 has testimonies. And so on down. You have different statements. And we gave you those on the introduction to this 119th Psalm. uh, Different statements. And they all are directed to the Word of God in one form or fashion. You know, the Bible says, If ye then be risen with Christ, seek those things which are above. We're not to seek to be covetous after things of this world. Notice verse 37. Turn away mine eyes from beholding vanity, and quicken thou me in thy way. We need our eyes turned away from vain things. We need to uh, realize that the lure of this world can be overcome by God's help. 1 John chapter 2 says, Love not the world, verse 15, neither the things that are in the world. He says, all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world passeth away with the lust, and the lust thereof. But he that, listen, here's the bottom line. He that doeth the will of God abideth forever. So all these things, that's separation from the world and its lust. And now verse thirty. Uh, 8 says, Establish thy word unto thy servant who is devoted to thy fear. Establish thy word. God's word established in the heart helps us to overcome the world. Establish thy word unto thy servant. We need to be grounded in the word. Established in the word. The Bible says that all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness. That the man of God may be perfect, that means mature. Grow up spiritually. Thoroughly furnished unto all good works. And the Bible tells us that the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And we're to give heed to that word and be established in that word. And then the next thing, verse 39 says, Turn away my reproach which I fear, for thy judgments are good. Persecution can be endured or removed. First Peter, let me read a passage for you in First Peter chapter 4. Begin with verse 12. Peter says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. Don't think it strange if the fiery trial is to try you. As if some strange things as though some strange thing happened to you. But rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when His glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad with also with exceeding joy. If ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, for the Spirit of glory and of God resteth upon you. On their part he is evil spoken of, uh, but on your part he is glorified. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, as a thief, or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffers a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. What did he say? Turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. That's in our Psalm 119, verse 39. You know, the, uh, the desire to know the Bible is helpful in this sense. For thy judgments are good. If we know what God's judgments are, know what His Word is, it will help us when this, these things happen. I want you to look at uh, 
Verse 40. Behold, I have longed after thy precepts. Quicken me in thy righteousness. Do we long after God's precepts? Quicken me in thy righteousness. You know, new life is needed to keep us going. We need uh, to be quickened in God's righteousness. To made alive in God's righteousness. Psalm 85 verse 6 says, Wilt thou not revive us again, that thy people may rejoice in thee? Remember old Joseph sent for his father Jacob. And Jacob was an old man. And it says when Jacob saw the wagons and all, he saw all that was coming for him, and the spirit of Jacob there, his father, revived. He thought, this is the only hope I've seen. He said, I'm going to see Joseph again. I thought he was dead all this time. You read that in Genesis chapter 30, uh, 46, verse 27. Let me read it to you. And they told him all the words of Joseph which he had said unto them, And when he saw the wagons which Joseph had sent to carry him, the spirit of Jacob their father revived, and Israel said, Jacob, it is enough. Joseph, my son, is yet alive. I will go and see him before I die. Sometimes we need new life and new hope given when we are very low, when we feel like things are, are just you know, out of our control. We need new hope. Then, the next section, beginning with verse 41, we find David's requests and promises. Look at verse 41. Let thy mercies come also unto me, O Lord, even thy salvation according to thy word. First, here's a request for mercy. David was in a pitiful condition, reproached by the enemy. Certainly he needed mercy. In Psalm 69, verse 9, it says, For the zeal of thine house hath eaten me up. It was later applied to Jesus. He was reproached by the enemy. Let thy mercies come also, O Lord, even uh, thy salvation, thy deliverance. Salvation, deliverance is sought. Salvation here for him, uh, possibly the deliverance, and then salvation here spoken of is also uh, based upon God's word even for you and I, the salvation of our soul. When we bear reproach, as David did, what are we to do? says, let us go forth therefore even unto him without the camp, bearing his reproach. As Jesus bore reproach, we're to go without the gate, or says without the camp. It means without the city where Jesus suffered the reproach. Romans 15 verse 3 says, For even Christ pleased not himself, but he says, as it is written, the reproaches of them that reproached thee fell on me. Jesus took the reproach that fell upon God. And he let them let it fall upon him. Then look at verse 42. So shall I have wherewith to answer him that reproacheth me. I'm going to have a way to answer. For I trust in thy word. How do we answer? When we trust in God's word, divine approval, God's approval of us and his word, his salvation according to his word, and his deliverance that comes to us, gives us the ability to... Uh, silence the enemy. First Peter 2.15, let me read this one for you. 2.15 says, For so is the will of God, that with well-doing ye may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. What is it when you're reproached, you just keep on doing what is right? With well-doing you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men. 
And then I want you to look at uh, verse 43. And take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. If the Lord holds His peace, we're left without a testimony. We need God's word. We need God's testimony. We need uh, to hope in His judgments. In verse 44, look, so shall I keep thy law continually forever and ever. This is a strong determination. Are you determined to keep God's law, keep God's word, abide by God's law? He says, look, so, uh, so shall I keep thy law continually. We don't walk in the law of God at one day or week or month or year. It's to walk in it always. And we need to have a strong determination to do so. Are you determined to live a Christian life, not only today and tomorrow and this coming Sunday, so to speak, but all the year and all the next year until the end of your life? It's a determination. That's uh, keeping on. And keep, keep on keeping on. So shall I keep thy law continually. And then I want us to notice verse 45. And I will walk at liberty, for I seek uh, thy precepts. The highest form of liberty can be had for God's people. The Bible says, if the Son shall make you free, you shall be free indeed. And then the next verse shows us the boldness that he's to have. Verse 46. He says, I will speak of thy testimonies also before kings and will not be ashamed. Remember, Paul was called to be an apostle to the Gentiles. And he said he would stand before kings. God said he would stand before the kings. And God gave him the boldness to do that. We find that uh, Peter and John, it says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, they marveled. They thought they were unlearned and ignorant men. But they marveled that they had been with Jesus. They had some boldness to go ahead and live for God and to give the right kind of testimony for God. Same thing happened to Paul. Remember they saw the boldness of Paul and Barnabas, I believe it was. Let me read in Acts 13, verse 46. It says, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, and this is to the Gentiles, Then Paul and Barnabas waxed bold and said, It was necessary that the word of God should first have been spoken to you, but seeing you put it far from you, put it from you, and judge yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, lo, we've turned to the Gentiles. You see, everyone is not due a, just a constant barrage of the truth of God. If they keep on rejecting it, there's someone else out there that might want to hear it. Just keep on. You can give it out to one person long enough, and then finally you have to turn somewhere else. And these people had rejected the Jews, and Paul says, we've, we've just preached this long enough to you. And seeing you count yourselves unworthy of everlasting life, well, we're all unworthy of it. But he says, lo, we turn to the Gentiles. But he was preaching salvation by grace, and they were worthy by God's grace. And then we come on down to the next verse. Look, it says in verse 47, keep your place in Psalm 119, we're in verse 47. And I will delight myself in thy commandments, which I have loved. Joy in serving the Lord. Delight in God's commandments. Many labor for that meat which, meat which satisfieth not. That's Isaiah 55, verse 2. They labor and labor for meat that satisfies not the soul. You can go out and you can work from daylight till dark and half till midnight. And you can work and try to gain in this world. And there's no satisfaction. 
It's going to be spent. The government's going to take their percentage anyway. Talk about this taxes business. And I'll guarantee you they're going to get theirs first. They say two things are sure. IRS and death. And death. And both of them. Taxes and death. Well, anyway, the thing about it is you can do that and not be satisfied. But if you'll realize that uh, God's Word will bring satisfaction, I will delight myself in thy commandments which I have loved. Paul said in Philippians 4, verse 4, Rejoice in the Lord always. Again I say rejoice. Do you wake up rejoicing and go to bed rejoicing? Do you wake up with thanksgiving for rest through the night and a new day that God's given you, even if you're just here alive? Thank God for it. And then, before you go to bed tonight, uh, thank God that you've had the day and that, that He can wipe away all your sins and ask Him for forgiveness of all your sins and your shortcomings and your faults and your failures. And go to bed and rest in peace. You can't have that seeking after the things of this world. And brother, the riches of this world take wings and fly away. The Bible says that. It just does. You know, I've known... Do you know a man that uh, Eastman Kodak Film Company became very wealthy? And you know how wealthy it is now, even after he's deceased. One night he got disgusted with all of his success. It wasn't satisfactory. He killed himself. George Eastman. That famous Robert Burns... Wrote poems all over. And he wrote in World War One, Pack up your troubles in the old kit bag and smile, smile, smile. After a night of tribulation, distress, he killed himself. See, your troubles are too big to pack up in a kit bag. You better have something that will satisfy you besides uh, this world. Because it won't, you won't find the answer there. Joy in serving the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord always. Philippians 4 verse 4. Look at the last verse here. He says, My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments. That means, the word lift up means to bear, to carry, to accept, and to regard God's Word above everything else. In other words, I'm going to put this before me. I'm going to carry it. I'm going to bear it. I'm going to accept it. I'm going to regard it. My hands also will I lift up unto thy commandments, which I have loved, and, and will meditate... I will meditate in thy statutes. And David here was ready to take the oath of responsibility to do this. I'm going to dedicate myself to this. Are we willing to make an agreement with God that we want to really live for God? And then we find the next section deals with the pilgrim's song. The pilgrim's song. He says in verse 49, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. He reminds the Lord of His promise to him. Talk about promises. God gives promises. And these are the promises that we can depend upon. Look, it says, Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. Where does hope come from? The word of God. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Listen carefully. It says, Whatsoever things were written aforetime, that's before the New Testament, that's the Old Testament Scriptures. Romans fifteen four. For whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. Now listen. That we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. You see where hope comes from? The Scriptures. Where does patience and comfort come from? The same place. That we through patience and comfort of the Scriptures might have hope. So... 
Remember the word unto thy servant. I like that, thy servant. The cause of his hope was the word of God. Peter says, we have not followed cunningly devised fables. We made known unto you the the, uh, power and coming again of the Lord. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw it. We saw it with our own eyes on the Mount of Transfiguration he's referring to. But he says, we also have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as a light that shineth in the dark place until the day dawn and the day star rise in your hearts. For no prophecy of the scripture came by prophecy of the scripture came not in old time of the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. So you put your dependence upon the sure word of God. Remember the word unto thy servant, upon which thou hast caused me to hope. This is my comfort in my affliction, for thy word hath quickened me. Comfort in time of affliction. Can you imagine that? And it comes from the word of God. For thy word hath quickened me. Look at verse 51. The proud have had me greatly in derision, yet I have not declined from thy law. Steadfastness in the time of derision. The proud, look at that, have had me me greatly in derision, yet... Have I not declined from thy law? Here's steadfastness, determination. You know, all through uh, these passages of Scripture, we find a great determination, a great purpose, a great wholeheartedness of following God's law, regardless of what the world, the flesh, or the devil thinks about it. And we need to take that stand today. And then uh, it says uh, in verse uh, 52, I remembered thy judgments of old, O Lord, And have comforted myself. When we remember God's word. The memory of God's past judgments. Decisions. Brings comfort to our hearts. Yet. I have not declined from thy law. I remember thy judgments O Lord. Of old O Lord. And have comforted myself. What comfort do you get from the word of God? Joseph got comfort. Abraham, Moses, David, Peter, Paul. You read in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews chapter 11, you'll find that all of them were assured. And that by faith they did certain things, knowing that God would reward them. In verse 53, Horror hath taken hold upon me because of the wicked that forsake thy law. God's man is horrified by the actions of the wicked. Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5 verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. We should not be indifferent to sin. God's man should be horrified by the actions of wickedness. And we should never be indifferent towards sin. Sin is exceeding sinful in the sight of God. The Bible says God is pure eyes and to behold iniquity. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. But aren't we thankful that the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord? It will save the most wicked of sinners. People that are steeped in sin, they say, well, I'm too wicked to be saved. No, that's not so either because the Bible says, come now and let us reason together, saith the Lord, though your sins be as scarlet, they shall be white as snow. Though they be red like crimson, they shall be as wool. So the most wicked can be saved. But the the most wicked, as well as those who think they're righteous, need to be saved too. All of us need to be saved, don't we? By grace, through faith. Our salvation is in the Lord, completely and totally. Because all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. In verse 54 it says, Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. Notice what he said. Do you get that? Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. 
In other words, God's word is that which brings a song to our spiritual songs that helps the pilgrim along the way. What is that spiritual song? It's the word of God. That's make, that makes our heart to sing in the book of uh, Ephesians. Let's see if I can find it. In the book of Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18 says, And be not drunk with wine wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit. And I've given you this before, and I want you to get it again. Notice that's not the end of the sentence. You have Ephesians 5 verse 18. It says, But be filled with the Spirit. Then it says, Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's a pretty good statement, but that's still not the end of the statement. See, there's another semicolon. Then it says, Giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, even praying and giving thanks. That's still not the end of the statement. Then it says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Period. What are spiritually led people to do? What do they do? First of all, they're to be filled with the Spirit. They're to be happy in their hearts, sing in their hearts, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Then we're to be thankful, giving thanks or praise to God for all things. We're told the formula how to do it. Always, for all things, unto God the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. A lot of people that claim to be filled with the Spirit have no no sense of submission to. And so it it tells us to be submissive one another in the fear of God. Alright, let's go on to the next statement. It says uh, in verse 54, Thy statutes have been my songs in the house of my pilgrimage. By the way, we, we're not through dealing with that verse yet because notice, it's in the house of my pilgrimage showing that we're strangers and pilgrims on the way. We're not... Yet to heaven. We're not yet, we haven't yet reached our home. The Bible says that Abraham and Isaac and they all dwelt in tents because they confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims in the earth. Abraham was wealthy. He could have settled down anywhere and built a big house, but he didn't do it because it was symbolical in our, for our benefit, and yet it was a reality for him that he confessed by this moving around. That he was a stranger and a pilgrim in the earth. You see, we're strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Really, the Bible says our conversation is in heaven. Listen carefully. The word conversation means our citizenship. We're heavenly citizens. We're citizens of another country. You see, our citizenship is not on this earth. Our conversation is in heaven from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Who shall change our vile body that it may be fashioned like unto his glorious body according to the working whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. We're looking forward to a time and we don't anticipate the nearness of it, but there will be a time that the change will take place for all of us. To be absent from the body will to be present with the Lord. Don't grieve over me when I'm gone. Just thank the Lord I made it. Because that's where it'll be good. God is going to wipe away all tears from my eyes. There shall be no sorrow. There will be no more death. There will be no sorrow. There will be no more pain. Revelation 21, I believe it's verse 4. 
So, there's going to be a time that we're going to all lay this tabernacle of clay behind. For in this we do groan being burdened. Not that we would be unclothed, but be clothed upon which are, with our house which is from heaven. And we're burdened because of a lot of things with this tabernacle of clay. This is called a tent. This tabernacle means tent. And you're just here for a while, friend. You may like to think you're here forever, but you're not. You might like to think that the other fellow is the one that dies and you don't. The Bible says the point in a man wants to die. And after that, we've got to face the judgment too. If you're a Christian, you'll go to the judgment seat of Christ to see if you receive the rewards. If you're not a child of God, you shall stand before that great white throne judgment. And it'll be a ter- more terrible judgment. And we'll read the details of that in Revelation chapter 20, beginning with verse 10, I believe it is. So we find that uh, we better uh, take our stand for God now and make our decisions now. Be prepared for eternity. He says in verse um, 55, I have remembered thy name, O Lord, look at this, in the night and have kept thy law. Meditation at night helps us to, helps to sanctify the soul. I have remembered thy name, O Lord, in the night and have kept thy law. Do you go to bed thinking about God and thinking about God's Word and go to sleep the same way? You ought to lay down on your bed and go to sleep thinking with your mind upon God, the mind upon the promises of God, the mind upon the Word of God, instead of your mind upon the filth and the flesh and the things of this world. A lot of people go to sleep with their minds upon that. No wonder you have nightmares. Brother, I would too if my mind is on all the stuff that goes on in the world today, wouldn't you? But you know, I can't find enough hours in the day. I usually get to bed about 12, 1, 1.30. I got to bed at 1.30 this morning, I think. But, you know, I sit up, I'll study, I'll read, I'll pray, I'll think, boy, this is good. You know, God's Word should be first place. Then sometimes I have to sleep to 7, 7.30, and boy, I just can't understand it. Maybe even 8 o'clock. Well, I've got at least six and a half hours. That ought to be enough. Put God's Word in your mind and in your thought and in your heart and live by it and stand for it. This I had because I kept thy precepts. He had all these blessings. This I had. The reward of obedience. What is the reward of obedience? In Psalm 19, verse 11. We preached on it a week or two ago. Moreover, by them is thy servant warned, and in keeping of them there is great reward. God's Word warns us, and there's a reward in keeping.